0: What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host Gavin J. Gallagher and on this podcast I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and in the mind of everyone else in the real estate and property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior to get control of your thought processes, your emotions and most importantly your ego. So here we are on episode sixteen. In last week's episode, I had a conversation with Mr. Chung Ha Cha, who is a renowned expert in the sustainability and smart cities um, area. And uh, I thought I hope you found his uh, his content useful. And for anybody who's starting out, sustainability and smart cities may seem like it's a little bit over the top you might say and you might feel like that there's not really necessary to to learn that kind of stuff But the reality is, is it's a sweeping change that I'm seeing in the in in the real estate industry. And I do think that it is going to become very important across the entire board. So start getting aware of it now at an early stage or you're going to be caught out and you'll be on the back foot wondering how to do all of this kind of stuff. Before I get into today's episode, I just want to give you a quick update on some of the stuff that's happening. First of all, we have the Facebook group. And uh, we have 195 members now, and I'm going to be dealing with a couple of members' questions today. And second of all, I thought I would talk about my current challenge, my 10,000 Burpee August challenge. And that is something that is progressing nicely. I did two thousand five hundred and fifty in the first seven days and I've done 2,525 in the second seven days. So I'm on course to do my 10,000 in four weeks, but I can tell you it is bloody tough and I have been feeling aches and pains everywhere. My shoulders, my knees, everything is kind of sore. So it's a real mind over matter kind of exercise and I'm in the process of um, figuring out there's an awful lot of stuff to be learned from doing this kind of a stretch goal and what I've found in the last week or two I did 750 burpees in a single sitting uh, last Tuesday and I did it again on Friday so not very long of a rest between and that was particularly hard and I really felt it and I can remember thinking at one stage I'm not going to finish this But it's amazing how the body and the mind kind of interact with one another. And I learned that the body will quit long after your mind has already quit. And you got to remember that. And I think that's applicable across uh, all sorts of applications as well. If you you think about your life, um, your ability to earn money, your ability to advance your career, your ability to do all sorts of stuff, a lot of it is all to do with your mindset. And if you consider... Um, You know, sitting down to do 750 burpees. When I got to 250, I think I thought, ah, there's no way I couldn't, I can't even do another 50. And I went on and did another 400. And it was basically convincing myself that I can do this mentally. And then the body was already ready to do it and it's it's just it's just an interesting exercise and that's one of the reasons why i set myself these stretch goals as i call them they are really really challenging on the mind as much as the body and by doing something like that you can often find that you you learn something it's one of the reasons i think why the ironman triathlon race is so popular is because that is one of the ultimate mind over matter mind over body events and you know to do some sort of a race that takes you know between 12 and 16 hours to finish is just an incredible achievement one of my friends Brady George is out doing his triad is doing an Ironman today and he's in the middle of it at the moment and my congratulations goes out to him before he finishes because it's just such a feat to take on and so anyway just wanted to kind of go into that before I get into listeners questions. A question came in from Robert Flanagan and he wanted to ask opportunities for office development outside of major cities. He figures that the COVID era is going to possibly reduce the willingness of staff to commute to large cities five days a week and he's wondering if this is an opportunity for people in commuter belt towns, say an hour, an hour and a half from the big cities and my i think first of all robert that's a great question and it's very very relevant obviously a lot of people are thinking about this particularly me uh, given the the industry that i'm working in and i'm looking out the window and i'm looking at the offices here in east point and uh, it's sunday morning and it's it's pretty quiet in here at the moment but it's but it has been quiet for quite a few weeks now and for me it's it's a worrying time looking out and sort of wondering what is it's you need a crystal ball to really understand what is happening a lot of people are saying that the office is dead a lot of people are saying once a vaccine is found the office will not will will bounce back and i'm going to give you my views on it first of all the willingness of staff to commute five days a week i think you're already seeing a major shift in mindset and behavior of workers and management First of all, management did not believe that it was actually possible for people to work from home. Huge numbers of people just thought, can't be done. You, The only way this can work is if you have people coming into the office so you can keep your beady eyes on them and you can kind of look over their shoulder and make sure they're doing their work. And that has proven to be wrong. And a lot of big banks and a lot of big places that had hundreds of people, thousands of people coming in every day to big, huge offices in the city centre and stuff, they have suddenly found that this is actually working. This is, people are working from home. The productivity may have suffered slightly, but that could be down to childcare issues rather than actual people from working from home. And so I think it is proven that work from home is possible. The longer term questions, I guess, are going to be around corporate culture and just people's preferences and also loyalty from your staff. I think a lot of it is to do with you go into work and you meet your friends and you get to know people and you're kind of having a a bit of a laugh with them and the banter and here in East Point we have a tennis court and we have um, a -a five-a-side football court and those two places are places where people interact from the offices they come out they play in the evening and stuff and that is a great outlet and a great way to kind of socialize with your workers if you're working for home from from weeks for weeks and weeks It is it's going to be one of those things that you're just going to find, I think, that it starts to erode the corporate culture. So that is one of the things that the the next thing that we've already started to notice is that there is definitely we're starting to see migration out of the major cities. And I saw an article in the papers in the last day or two about people moving out of London. And I've been hearing here in Ireland that there are people looking at houses now down in Cork and Kerry. Which is a long way from the major from from the capital, and it's I think it's down to people believing that they can have a better lifestyle. They can have a beautiful home that costs a fraction of what it would in the capital city. They can have another thing going for them um, insofar as they can be closer to their family. You can have more land, the cheaper the house, you can have a nice lifestyle, and you can basically commute maybe one day a week or every other week, and. In the, in the interim, you just meet people virtually and you work from home. And that's going to be a very interesting development. It's something that I'm actually looking at myself and thinking, yeah, I could actually see myself having a nice home further out, uh, you know, maybe an hour from the city and living there, enjoying a nicer lifestyle, being closer to my kids and stuff like that. But having the, uh, you know, the ability to drive in when I need to meet somebody, if it is important that you have a face-to-face meeting. But... Working from home, if you've got your, if you've got the ability to have your own home office or something like that, that is definitely um, uh, attractive. And so shorter commutes as well. I don't know, I don't know anybody who's going to miss sitting an hour or so in the traffic or standing in a train or a crowded bus for 90 minutes on the way in. It's just not attractive. And it means I actually sent out a, a social media poll in the last few days. I asked people on a couple of different locations, what how it was impacting them. And one person wrote back saying that it's great that she gets up at um, 6.30 in the morning now instead of having to get up at 3.30 in the morning and that, you know, she's got basically two extra hours in bed and then she, she, she gets to work nice and early. And I was thinking, God, you know, how many people have to kind of get up at that ungodly hour to get into work, to kind of to commute? And that is definitely going to be something that is not missed by a lot of people. Also more effective um well it's going to be more effective provided the childcare issue is solved and so working from home is great if you are sitting at home at the kitchen table and you don't have your kids hanging out of you during the lockdown I was at home for a couple of weeks for the 7 weeks and uh, my little daughter was constantly coming in and wanting to play and things like that and you know it's it's hard to say no to a 3-year-old they don't really understand what's happening they don't understand that you have hard work on your agenda and so It was difficult and I think productivity does suffer in that situation. But if you're at home and nobody's there to sort of interrupt you, I don't see the difference really. And in fact, maybe it can be even more productive because you can switch off the phone and you're not going to be interrupted and things like that. I don't think the majority of people want to return to how it was with those two hour commutes and crowded buses and trains and stuff. But the vaccine may change that if people start to feel like that the, the COVID-19 has been fully eradicated, you might start to see a gradual return to how it was and people are just getting more comfortable. And you will probably see there may be a, a, a bifurcation of the career opportunities that you have. So if you're a person who is kind of a go getter and wants to kind of advance forward, Being close to your boss and being somebody who gets seen to be, you know, very active and very proactive, those people tend to get promoted quicker than somebody who's sitting at home, working away, getting their work done. And so you may find that there's a little bit of competition starts to creep back in with people coming in, in order to kind of be seen, I guess. And so that will be interesting but definitely, it's, there's been a mixed response to the um, to the social media poll I put out there with a lot of people saying they just don't want to return to, to work. They like working from home. But then equally, I had people saying that they hate working from home and that they miss the interaction and um, they miss the ability to, you know, catch up with friends and get out of the house and that sort of geographical distancing. Some people, yeah, missing the office very much and want to get back to it, social the, so, the whole social scene is important to them. And you will, I think what you're going to find is it depends on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I'm going to get into that a little bit further uh, later in the off episode. So going back to Robert's question, opportunities outside the major cities. Yes, I definitely believe there is going to be a shift towards flex space or co-working as uh, as it's kind of known. We're all familiar now with WeWork and the likes of it, but you've got the problem with COVID-19 is just the total uncertainty that everybody has out there at the moment. You have an office which is very large fixed um, cost and it's sitting there, you're paying the rent every month whether you're f- whether it's empty or full. And obviously large businesses may be, may be able to kind of weather that storm. There'll be a lot of smaller businesses though that this is you know, pretty critical and they could easily fail if things don't kind of return to normal. And so I do believe there's going to be a lot of corporates out there not willing to sign up to longer leases for the foreseeable future. I think there's going to be shorter term commitments that will be the kind of the call that they're all looking for. And for example, five year, 10 year leases, things like that. I think there's going to we're going to struggle to find those from the smaller businesses, maybe the larger ones. I think they're always going to need a certain amount of space. But if you're looking at the flexible space that is going to be something I think and already I've heard that WeWork have reported profitability much earlier than they expected. And I think that is down to the fact that they have flexible, available space for a lot of these big corporates. And it also allows people to kind of give their there are people that are not able to work from home for child care reasons or whatever to actually go in and have a space that they can work from. So and also it means that, you know, you pay for your 50 desks or whatever it is that you need and you can cancel it at a month's notice or whatever. So that is definitely going to be attractive to a lot of corporate occupiers. And then it's going to get down to preferences of individual workers, where, again, if you're into... You're, if you're into working from home, it's not going to be an issue for you. But if you've got a, a preference for working away from home, from getting out of the house and and leaving the uh, to go to an office, then having a flex option close to your home. So that could be commuter towns where you're living might actually find that there is suddenly an uptick in demand for the likes of uh, a, a, a co-working space or as flexible offices. And the likes of Regis, where you can rent, an, uh, you know, rent a small office and that can be your postal address and then your staff could just work from home. I have already actually seen that happening here in East Point. One of, one of our occupiers has moved to a full work from home model and they're not coming back. And, but equally, I have heard some of their staff members saying that they're not happy about it and they'll probably look for a job that actually has a fixed office. So there you go, a lot of food for thought, and um, definitely don't think people are going to be wanting to return to long commutes and sitting in crowded um, public transport because of the safety issues as well with COVID at the moment. Obviously, the second lockdown is going to be the big risk if we if we hit, and already a lot of places are going into a second lockdown. You're seeing a, a, an uptick in the number of COVID cases, and so suddenly it's becoming a bit of an issue again. And I think a lot of people are going to be saying, "Well, this could be." a recurring theme for the next couple of years or certainly a next year or 18 months. And therefore, I think there could be demand for flex office. The problem is going to be, the challenge is going to be, how long is it going to last? And that is the complete uncertainty that we all face. The good thing about, you know, these flex offices is that it's a short term commitment. So if somebody signs up to 50 desks, they have them for when, however long they need them. And then it goes, COVID is solved and it goes back to the way it is. I do believe that it's only a matter of time before we go into a full second lockdown. It may not be full national. It may be localized. It may be, you know, a certain city or whatever. It all depends on how well behaved people are and how well they can manage to get this thing under control. But if you've got an office building in a regional town and you turn it into flex space, I think you could find that there's an uptick of demand. The question is going to be if a vaccine is found and COVID-19 is eradicated and things can go back to normal, will there be that demand to keep a regional town uh, office full? And also, you've, you've got to try and convince banks and investors if you're going to go into this and if you're going to go and spend the money to fit out, uh, to build and fit out a nice fancy office for people to come and, and take up, are you going to actually have the income that people can be guaranteed um, to pay your your you know your debt down and things like that? You're going to have a situation where somebody comes along, wants 50 desks, they may pay you a big premium for that. But the question is going to be, how long will that be if there's a second lockdown and everyone has to kind of go back to working from home? That's going to be your flex office space now vacant and if you're vacant then you're not able to pay your debts and stuff so I think there's a lot of challenges to this and you're going to have to try and convince your investors that the premium you charge is worth the risk of you know losing the income when it shuts down and it's going to be down to I guess whether society is ready to move forward and I'm thinking about this in a a lot of detail uh, myself because I think there's actually a, a big shift in the way offices are built managed and the way they're they're run and operated and i think the landlord is going to have to get into much more of a hospitality type role where they're they're more active in this kind of co-working and flex space type management role, whereas before we just leased an office and that was all we had to do. All right, second question. Robert, I hope I answered that question to your satisfaction. The second question is actually very, very similar and related. It's from Mark Tracy and Mark asks, uh, do I think people and companies want to share facilities such as toilets and kitchens with other office uh, users in the building? Or would developing self-contained offices be a better option? I think that's a great question. And it's another its another one of those questions that kind of comes down to a little bit to flex space and a little bit to the way people are thinking about COVID and all that kind of stuff. At the moment, I can answer that question because I've got the, both, I've got own, own door occupiers here in East Point and I have um, occupiers that are sharing buildings in East Point. And we have had a few people returning to the building and in order to kind of satisfy what we did is we put thermal scanners in the lobby. So when people walk in, first of all, there's a thermal scanner there that you can check your temperature. And that's just one little tick in the box, I guess, to kind of give people comfort. The second thing uh, that we've done is we've increased our uh, cleaning regime. So we used to have a person come in every morning at about I think 6.30 or 7 or something like that. And they would give the whole building a good clean down. So the toilets would get washed out. The staircases, the floors, the f- you know, all of that kind of stuff would get washed in the common areas. And then they would be gone for the day. What we have since done now is we've brought them in for enhanced cleaning. So not only are they cleaning, but they are using sterilized kind of equipment get, make sure that the surfaces are all con- you know s- properly sanitized but second of all they're coming in again after lunch at two o'clock uh, or sorry not at, after lunch just before lunch and uh, so I think at about 12 or something like that they come in they blitz the the place a second time and then that gives people a little bit of added comfort that the place is pretty clean And so that is one of the things that has given people comfort. They continue to work from the building. They're social distancing. um, So there's not everybody in the office that was there before, but it is possible. And I think it's the real question is going to be down to, you know, their belief in safety. And so by giving those enhanced cleaning services, that is something that you can provide. And the reality is, I think, is it doesn't actually matter really Whether you picked the virus up from one of your co-workers or whether you picked them up from a visitor who entered the building or whether you picked them up from somebody who happens to be sharing the the first or the second floor and you're on the ground floor, you're going to be contaminated. So it's all going to boil down to the cleaning regime that you have in place and also how good people are with their habits and with their, you know, their ability to kind of stay keep the keep the virus at bay if you're getting on a if you're leaving your own whole you know your own office building and you're walking down to the nearest train station and you're jumping on a train with a lot of other people then you know you're you, you are at risk of touching surfaces there and you could pick up the infection just as easily there as you could at, you know walking out of your elevator that somebody else happens to share in that building So I think that is one of the things that's going to basically control this is is sanitization really and as long as good hygiene and you maintain a good cleaning regime, I think the risks can be mitigated. When you get into flexible office, I think that's going to be more attractive uh, than having an own own door office and we have... um, Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we've seen that here in East Point where we have a couple of people. It's rare enough here in East Point at the moment that we've seen anyone moving to a full work from home situation. But there is one occupier has done it. And what they've decided to do is they're going to have a Regis office. And the Regis office is going to be their postal address. And it's going to be a venue that they can have occasional face to face meetings. But pretty much everyone is going to be fully working from home. Now, one of the problems with moving to a work from home situation is what I've actually found, it's it's, it's interesting. First of all, the corporate culture is definitely gonna start to suffer. If a lot of people are working from home and you don't have that social interaction, that is gonna affect corporate culture. And corporate culture is a big thing for all of these big tech companies. And so what I've been finding is, you know, the guys spend a lot of money on internal gyms and they have, you know, great canteen facilities and they have really, you know, they spend a lot of money in the building because they want it to be impressive and they want people to kind of feel that they've got a a really, really good place of work. Now, if you're suddenly working from home, how much of that translates to your job? That's a good question. And I think that may be a reason why people start to drag people back to the office. But the other thing that's important to remember is education. And it's something that was reminded to me from a person in a law firm recently, is that when new recruits come to a law firm, they usually shadow somebody who is more senior for a couple of months and that shadowing of that person is actually where they get an awful lot of their education. And so if you're going to be working from home, you're going to miss out on all of that ability to pick up the knowledge just from overhearing your colleagues talking on the phone, from sitting in on meetings that you just happen to kind of be sitting there. So you're overhearing the conversation and there's an awful lot of stuff that you pick up from being exposed to more senior people in management or whatever, and that gives you an education that is not necessarily something you're going to find when you're working from home. So there's going to be a longer term question for young people whether or not working from home is beneficial or whether they're missing out. And then again there's that whole question of does the manager does your you know does your senior report or your manager does he see you? I mean if you're working from home, if you're getting everything done, that's grand, you know, you're you're going to you're going to be seen as a reliable person. But it's not the same as showing up every day and managing to have a conversation with your boss. And so there's going to be a lot. We're going to have to see what happens in the next couple of months um, with all of this. I do believe that the whole world in terms of work is kind of up in the air at the moment and there's going to be new policies. There's going to be new findings. There's going to be, I think there's going to be some mental health, health issues with people working from home prolong, for prolonged periods. Some people can do it don't think everyone is suited to that and so I'm going to get into a little talk now on the personality and the role the personality plays in that whole thing. So let's get into the second topic today and that is one that I find really fascinating and that is the Mayors Briggs Type Indicator or the MBTI and this is what there's another name for it and that is the 16 personalities test. And this is a test that was developed by a woman and her daughter, Catherine Cook Brid, uh, Briggs, uh, who started it in 1917, she started this research. And her daughter, Isabel Briggs Mayer, she carried on the work and it was launched finally in 1944 during World War II. And it's based on a concept proposed by the Swiss psychiatrist, Carl Jung, and that is that people experience the world using four principal psychological functions. And they, those four functions were sensation, intuition, feeling and thinking. And the point that he was making was that one of those particular functions was particularly dominant in your system. And so Catherine and her daughter, Isabel, they went further with this and they actually developed a structure and put some additional functions in. And they came up with a test that pairs four different functions and it allows you to choose which one is your more dominant one and then it ranks them and the way they what they've come up with is there is the introvert versus the extrovert there is sensation versus intuition there is thinking versus feeling and there is judging versus perceiving And from these came 16 possible combinations. And that is where the 16 personalities identified by four initials come from. In my case, I am known as an INTJ. And that is introvert intuition. The N stands for intuition t stands for thinking and j for judging so to make it a bit easier the different the the various traits and the various kind of preferences strengths and weaknesses what they've done is they've given each of these 16 uh, initials a persona and the intj is also referred to as the architect or the mastermind and um, there are a couple of different examples that i'm going to give you and there is the entp which is the the nickname is the debater. And those people are smart, curious, and they cannot resist a good debate. There is also the INFP, and the nickname is the mediator. And those are poetic, kind, altruistic people who are always eager to help a good cause. There is also the ESTP, and that is the entertainer. And that is spontaneous, energetic, energetic, Enthusiastic and life is never boring around the entertainer. And by those initials, what it means is just to kind of go through INFP. What that is is that the 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 the, sort of the dominant features of that person of that personality are that they are introverted, they are, they have intuition, they have feeling, and they have um, perceiving in their functions that that kind of drive their behaviour. And while it all sounds a little bit difficult to kind of put your hands around and it's somewhat an unusual kind of thing to try to understand, when you actually get into the the different traits and stuff, you will recognize incredible similarities with your own personality. And what I found when I read about the INTJ is it was like reading about myself. Somebody just, you know, had been watching me from, from, from afar and wrote about me and that was what I read when I read about the INTJ. So what's the point of all this? Well, once you discover your personality and you read up on, you suddenly, it was like an, a eureka moment for me. Because what I suddenly realized was a whole lot of stuff that I had struggled with over my life, I suddenly realized why. And suddenly you realize what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and you really can focus down on your strengths and you can find others to complement your weaknesses. And that is really the point of that I'm making in, in in talking about this today for example growing up i was never into team sports so whenever whenever my friends were playing football or rugby or whatever it was i really just was not entertained by that game at all uh, those games i much preferred to do my own thing i preferred running or triathlon in terms of sports and stuff but i also preferred track and field i preferred doing things that was just me against myself or against the clock or against you know some sort of a tough thing like climbing a mountain or something like that and why is that well INTJs are really well known for their preference to work alone and they are comfortable with long periods alone and that very much describes me things like going um, sailing single-handedly across the Atlantic or something like that those are things that people who are INTJs have done in the past and it's interesting when you look at There's a great website called 16personalities.com and when you go into it, it describes, it's actually, it allows you to do a test there and it describes um, all of the different traits for each personality, but it also tells you some people that are like that. And you'll find that, uh, I think they say that Elon Musk is an INTJ, like myself. And um, that's not me now blowing a trumpet for myself. It's just a fact there. And there's also there is also a negative side to an INTJ. And that is that they tend to be the personality of the Bond villain or somebody like that. So if anyone who remembers the HBO show um, uh, Breaking Bad, there was Walter uh, White. There's the, you know, the main character who was the kind of the mastermind behind the whole thing. He was very clearly an INTJ. And uh, so so it's not all good, but there is something about it just when you understand your own personality, you really start to kind of figure things out. I've always also been very organized and kind of a strategic thinker. I'm always planning things and I never really realized that it was just something that I did. I never realized, though, that this was actually one of my strengths. And it's it's a trait, it's a well-known trait of INTJs. And it sudden, suddenly made very uh, a lot of sense to me. I didn't realize that nobody else is like this. Nobody thinks, when I say nobody else, that a lot of people planning and strategic thinking and stuff is not the first thing that comes to mind. They have other strengths And they may may, may make for much better managers or they may make for much better people in certain roles. Entertainers, obviously, they're not necessarily planners. They are people that are very spontaneous and they're able to come up with great creative music and things like that. Understanding your personality is super important. And things that I've struggled with over the years, I've always, one of the things that the INTJ has is they can be very judgmental. And not necessarily with, well, yes, others, but also with myself. And so if I screw up or if I do something wrong, I can be very, very hard on myself about that. And it's because INTJs tend to have very high standards. And when they are not met, this stresses them out and gets them annoyed. And also, if things don't go to according to your plans, that is also something that can be very stressful and can cause all sorts of um, just reasons for you to kind of beat yourself up. And so that is something that I am now very aware of and the idea the takeaway from this point that I'm making today is that if you go and figure out what your personality is, you can actually first of all figure yourself out, but second of all, you can figure out the kind of people that you need around you to fill in the blanks. And there are there is, you know, there's a complementary personality out there that will help you find the the missing stuff that you struggle with so it's it's very much a point that if you are somebody who say you're particularly good at team building and you're a very personable person and you're great for teams and stuff like that that is something that my teamwork is not particularly good it's not it's not a strength of mine and so it's important that i have somebody in my team that is actually good at team building because it's not something that i will automatically bring into the mix and once you have the knowledge that that is a weakness of yours, rather than trying to fight it, you can sort of go out and try to find that person that complements your abilities. This is something anyway that I think is useful and it's definitely something that I would recommend you guys check out. If you understand your strengths and your weaknesses, just it can be a real superpower. So I would suggest strongly that you go off and have a look at 16personalities.com. And you can sign up for the test there. I think it costs a couple of euro. I can't remember exactly what. It's a few dollars. Um, It's a US site, so I think you're paying dollars. But it's well worth doing. And I'd be very surprised if you don't find that your personality is described to a T. I've spoken to other people that have done it and they're all blown away by just how accurately it describes the way they think and their strengths and their weaknesses. And so once once you read this, it all starts to figure it all starts to make sense and you start to realize okay wow i should not have beaten myself up over doing that because that's just not one of my strengths and therefore you now know who who you need on your team or who you need to partner with that will bring those complementary skills that you don't have so that's it guys um episode 16 is over and um I'd love if you guys would check out the show notes for today. Um, You'll find various websites that I've mentioned below and in the show notes. I'd like to thank you guys so much for listening. And my number one ask of you all is if you could share this episode out with a friend or a colleague who you think will get some use from it I don't charge anything for these it's um, it's not getting I'm not getting any advertising revenue or anything like that the cost for doing this is just simply to share it out and I um, try to get the word out there because it's it's hard to get noticed in this busy day and age there's an awful lot of distractions out there and so if you think of anyone that would you find this podcast useful send them a link and just let them tell them about it and that way they might figure out whether or not they'd like to continue listening. Alternatively, you might consider leaving me a review over on iTunes or wherever you're listening in from. This is very, very helpful for the podcast because it moves us up the rankings and it helps us get noticed. And when you're noticed, all of a sudden you pick up more followers and things like that. So if you have any other questions or topics that you'd like me covered, like me to cover in future episodes, please join the Facebook group. That's Behind the Facade Community, and this is the best way to connect with me directly, but um, I'm, I'm, because I'm very active in that group, but also you'll find me on social media. And lastly, if you want to follow or learn more about me, sign up to my newsletter by going to my website, gavinjgallaher.com forward slash go. And you can also check out my YouTube channel, PropTech TV, where I post most of my property related content. All right, guys, until next time, have a great week.